Howdy, folks, and welcome to A Green Way Forward. I'm your host, David Cobb, coming at you from Humboldt County, California, joined, as always, by Michael O'Neill in Syracuse, New York. Howdy, Michael. Hey, David. And, you know, I'm really excited about this show because we have a personal friend of mine and somebody I hold in both high esteem and affection, Green Party of California Coordinating Committee Member Nassim Nouri. Nassim, welcome to A Green Way Forward. Thank you very much, David. Good to be here. So, Nassim, I have the great privilege of knowing you on a personal level. I still, to this day, remember meeting you uh, at the Green Party of California meeting in Bakersfield, California. The incredibly precise questions that you asked, uh, how incredibly open and smart uh, you pushed myself and you pushed other people uh, to think creatively and strategically. And that was the first state Green Party meeting you had ever been to. And it was only a few years ago. Since then, you've really taken uh, ownership and uh, leadership within the Green Party of California. So uh, I would love for the viewer listeners of A Green Way Forward to get a chance to know you a little better. So my question to you, Nassim, tell us who you are and why the heck you spend so much time and energy with the Green Party. Well, thank you very much for that wonderful introduction already. I can't top that, so I can just go with that. But um, I have to say that the Green Party inspires me more than anything, inspires me and gives me hope. And I'm sure that there are lots of uh, audience members who may know the Green Party, may be working within the Green Party, and they may think, that's not, you know, I'm not being honest because it's hard work. It's really hard being green. Uh, we really struggle to have an organization that does everything we want it to do. We struggle to be heard. We struggle to have people hear us above the cacophony of money and corporate media. But at the end of the day, it's my personal inspiration to work towards a goal and towards a world that we all know is possible and we all know is within our reach. So uh, that's my story. So Michael O'Neill, as the uh, resident curmudgeon of A Green Way Forward, uh, you're going to have your work cut out for you with Nassim. You see that, right? I I, I won't even put up a fight. Uh, my <laughs> Consider my curmudgeonliness melted away, or at least for the duration of, of this episode. <laughs> so Nassim, uh, really, and folks, remember, you're watching and or listening to A Green Way Forward. Uh, this is the place where we go deep on the issues and talk about how to build an eco-socialist world, one that is peaceful, just, democratic, and ecologically sustainable. Note that those are the four pillars of the International Green Party movement. And we do it through the specific lens of the Green Party. So this is a particularly unique show because we're going to uh, allow Nassim to tell us about some of the stuff that's happening in the Green Party of California, some of the exciting issues that they're working on, but also some of the internal uh, lessons learned as they go through that process. So uh, let's jump right into that, Nassim. And I want to start with the July 18th statement on the border detention camps that the state party, the Green Party of California, put out. Uh, uh, so I'm going to turn it over to you and ask you, tell us about this statement and how did the Green Party of California internally decide on coming up with a statement like this? Um, honestly, those statements that we've put out more recently than we have in the past come straight out of our platform. They're really easy 
uh, positions for us to take. For any Green to stand on justice, on humane treatment of our neighbors, our brothers and sisters, and for all of those four pillars, as well as our 10 key values, that's the easy part. I think the challenges that I mentioned earlier encompass trying to do all the administrative work behind it, all the fundraising that it takes to be able to send the statement to 11,000 or 20,000 registered Greens. The outreach that we do is the hard part. And that's what I meant by it's really hard being green. I think the easy part is to stand on those values that are very well demonstrated in that statement. Truthfully, the statement is about why we have turned over the safety and security Security of human beings to a profit model, right? It's as simple as that. You'll hopefully you'll have the link, and the viewers can see that um, that literally, it there's no question, there's no mistaken that the entire misery we see at our border, instead of being, instead of having uh, a welcoming process, has turned into human torture because there are there is a whole industry built around uh, public incarceration, right? And that is extending to those who are most uh, defenseless and have the least representation and support in our communities and in our society. Having said that, um, I think, you know, I want to give credit when it's due. I think it was a Clinton crime bill that started the entire private prison industry and spawned that after many um, unjust criminal justice uh, policies like uh, three strikes and uh, the war on drugs and has bloomed into this massive industry. The top two players in that uh, market are GEO and uh, CCA. And these folks are breaking in in 2017, $4 billion. And they turned right around and give $4 million into our lawmakers so that that profit uh, pipeline can continue. Um, that's the unfortunate part. California alone has had 74,000 um, detainees at the border. These are immigrants who, as we all know, are coming with nothing and they are following the due process. They're following the law. They are surrendering themselves at the border as asylum seekers and refugees to our authorities. So uh, that is what's feeding the industry. And I think that's the um, outrage we see in all of our communities when people across beliefs, this is not a partisan issue. It's not a conservative versus liberal issue. I think every American across this country knows what's going on is wrong in our border. So you said a lot, Nassim. So I'm going to break it down uh, just a little bit and really underscore a couple of things. One, in this statement, uh, you talked about how easy it is because it just flows out of the Green Party's platform and policy statements. Uh, I want to encourage uh, viewers and listeners of a Green Way Forward, if you're already an active Green Party member, to just think about the same process. We all know as Greens what our basic uh, principles and values are and how actually with a little bit of work, you can turn our platform into some pretty profound uh, press releases and statements like this. So Mike, one of the things that Michael and I want to do is to encourage viewers and what listeners of A Green Way Forward to think about how to replicate this. Michael, I'm wondering, does the Green Party of New York State uh, do similar sorts of things on particular issues? Yeah. And for example, we put out a statement, uh, again, speaking to the issue of the police state that we're all living in. Uh, we put out a statement on the uh, the news that uh, there would be no federal charges brought against the 
officer Pantaleo of, of the New York Police Department who applied the lethal chokehold to Eric Garner, resulting in his death. And so that was a statement that we put out and, and you know, wherever we can, uh, wherever we, we find that the green perspective will have an impact on the issues, of whether it's our state, uh, political news cycle, or national issues that happen to be affecting our state or a city within our state, we do what we can. And I really appreciate what uh, Nassim mentioned earlier about um, trying to activate our registered greens. Uh, we're on the ballot in New York State. People can register to vote in the Green Party. But simply having 20,000 plus registered greens on paper is not what makes a party. We have to uh, reach those greens, let them know what we're doing as a party, find out how they want to get involved and be organizing those paper registered greens into uh, participants in our party, both internally for our own democracy, but also to build our strength and run competitive campaigns. So I'm going to ask you, Nassim, did Michael's point about uh, turning the registered greens into active greens, uh, how has the Green Party of California administrative body and the coordinating committee attempted to do that? That's an excellent question. And I think that's the goal for all of our state parties in order to grow our party. Again, talking about all the work that we do in building the party administrative work, really activists aren't inspired by that. The fact is people register green because they're activists, right? The green party isn't just your average, yeah, yeah, everybody's a green, I'll just check that box. That's not why people register green. People register green because they either have been inspired by a personal experience such as me, or they've been inspired by someone they know, or they've been gotten involved in an, in an act, uh, act, activist uh, forum or in a campaign where they recognize that the light bulb goes off just like it did for me, and they recognize the connection between the system as it has been produced by corporate parties and what they as an individual can do and should do and, and have the power to do in order to change that. And that first step is registering green. And to Michael's point, the second step can for many of us be stepping up and uh, relating to the Green Party, our own experience and getting involved. So yes, this is a big part of taking these statements and reaching out, doing outreach, email blast has been a big part of how the California Green Party is trying to reach out. But the past year and a half, we've actually reached over uh, 3.2 million blasts that we've sent. So we've, we've hoped to reach many people among those who are receiving these notices uh, that we tell them about what bills we're endorsing and, and, publishing statements and just letting them know what amazing greens are doing across our state. And they are across every state. And, you know, Nassim, that brings us to the next topic I want to cover, and that is the resource directory for asylum seekers and immigrants that the Green Party of California put out. And uh, I know Michael will drop that in the comment section. And it's really amazing. So um, uh, I'm just going to ask you, tell us about this particular resource directory. Well, all the credit for that goes to one person, and that is Diana Brown. She is a member of the Los Angeles Green Party. She's an activist. She is a community organizer, an awesome woman who has who worked on this for a long time because of her own experience and her drive to try to serve the immigrant community. California, as you know, is really 
uh, an immigrant community in all of our counties and in and across the uh, the state. So uh, we really appreciate the effort she put in. It was her idea to create it, and indeed the statement was paired with that because we know that we need to welcome refugees and asylum seekers, and we need to make sure that they have the resources in our own communities to uh, to actually. Uh, start their lives here and and make sure that their rights are defended. So this also coincided with the almost the national movement on uh, ICE, uh, this part to actually start to round people up and um, in, in a very abusive way uh, do ICE raids. So it was a very timely uh, piece, I think, to have it together and provide it for, for our recipients to share it. So first, I want to thank you for lifting up Diana Brown. Uh, she is a, another rising star in the Green Party of California. Uh, and like you, I, I really need to name it. Uh, my experience, Nassim, and I've, sh- I've made this observation to you, and I want to do it publicly. The new round of leadership within the Green Party of California seems to be, be- uh, led by new women. Uh, and it really is women leadership in the Green Party of California, uh, and I am genuinely appreciative of and grateful for that. Thank you. Thank you very much. I agree. Nassim, I was wondering, uh, looking at this resource directory, are there particular organizations in California that you think are are doing exceptional work on this issue of of opposing the incarceration and, and repressor, the repression of asylum seekers and immigrants, especially groups that uh, take a, a real holistic view of this problem and both in their perspective and in their statements talking about how this is not something that started with the Trump administration, although we have seen a brutal escalation there, but that this is the, the product or the, the brutal logic of a bipartisan uh, policy going back some decades. Thank you to, for mentioning that. I actually couldn't even point out to one or two of those organizations in the research directory that are, you know, the, the top ones to go to. They all address, as you've seen, how they are in different groups. Diana separated them because they address different stages of what immigrants go through. They address different um, experiences that have to be uh, dealt with. But uh, truthfully, let's go back to where some of this started. Detention as a form of what ACLU called aggressive deterrent policies was first applied by the Obama administration. In 2014, the Obama administration was sued by ACLU and uh, for adopting detention as a way of deterring asylum seekers to actually approach our borders as it is legal for them to do. So that lawsuit was successful and that was partially stopped, but the fact that that has continued on and with Trump's anti-immigrant stance and uh, new rules and regulations that are simply feeding the industry for extra beds and guaranteeing extra beds, um, it really is has taken a much different uh, approach to asylum seekers as when I became an asylum seeker myself while I was already in the U.S. So um, it, it is, I think, the fact for every organization to not just be there to help our immigrants, but also to acknowledge and and discuss and, and talk about why is it that we're here is a really important issue. 
Nassim, I really appreciate, uh, and Michael, you as well, that, that sort of a holistic approach. Did you have a follow-up, Michael? No, I think that's a great background. Thank you. And, uh, you know, uh, I also uh, want to remind viewers and listeners that this is a green way forward. I'm your host, David Cobb. We're speaking with Nassim Nouri of the Green Party of California. If you're watching us live on Facebook, you can join the conversation in the comments section, uh, as Meg did, who wrote in to share that she is a registered green in Pennsylvania, but not particularly involved. But uh, I want to say, Meg, you could be. And I want to entice, encourage, and uh, inspire you, I hope, to reach out to the Green Party of Pennsylvania, because in no matter what state you are in, uh, I can promise you that there is either uh, other Greens who are ready to help you uh, get plugged in, and if you're not in a uh, state that is currently organized as a, a state Green Party, you could be the person to do that. I'm not trying to be whatever, but uh, the Green Party of Texas, six of us got together and said, like, let's do this, right? There were literally six of us that had the audacity to form the Green Party of Texas uh, back in the 90s. You could be one of those people as well. Uh, Nassim, uh, I want to, oh, and lastly, uh, I want to remind folks uh, to please share this uh, stream on your own Facebook page or any page that you manage. Uh, and if you have not yet done so, please go to the website, agreenwayforward.org and sign up so that we can continue to be in touch with you uh, and make sure that you have opportunities uh, to get involved. Um, Michael, I know you had a, a, an interesting question that you wanted to uh, pursue with Nassim. So let me open that space for you. Sure. Well, uh, Nassim, I'm, I'm interested in uh, Meg's comment kind of sparked me to think about uh, asking you if uh, you're aware of some of the processes where if there's a, a new sign up, a new volunteer in California, they've they found the Green Party of California website. Maybe they've registered degree, maybe they haven't yet, but they've they've joined the email list and maybe they've even signed up as a volunteer. What uh, do you have a process in place for uh, trying to systematically follow up with and activate these folks? Uh, if not, is that something that you're currently working on? And and also, I think there's always the puzzle of of when you have the first green on the dance floor, so to speak, in an area of a state where there isn't currently an active green group. And so, uh, what are your thoughts on on how we can? activate and, and mobilize those uh, people who've come to us through our websites? That's a great question. It's definitely a challenge, right? We are juggling a lot of activities. And I think it's really important that we have a welcoming face when we have a new person who reaches out. And as you said, every green state that has some online presence and there's typically a volunteer form that people can fill in. In California, our, our process isn't very formal, but we do believe in directing volunteers locally because we really believe that the, the more power we give a local community, the more effective a, a green is, actually someone who's recently joined or someone who's been a long-term green, 
it's really important for them to activate their community because every value we have is about grassroots and community. So we don't actually directly say, hey, you know, come join the coordinating committee or we have policies that we'd love for you to work on. We love for people to spend their energy locally with their family, with their community, because that's how they build power. And that power in in turn feeds us. We are a very, very bottom up uh, uh, party, as you well know, as greens are everywhere. So our process is pretty simple. When a volunteer comes through, we direct them automatically to their um, to their county contacts that we have in uh, whatever region they're in. And we really can do a much better job following up on uh, folks who have specific skills. Uh, but as you say, I think we've had some amazing people who come through and they, they bring ideas to us. And that's, I'm sure it's true in most green parties, we are so welcoming and the doors are open for people in any way they like to contribute and bring green values to the attention of not just us, but to, to people out there. We are grateful and we bring up and highlight um, our wonderful ways everywhere. So that's our that's our effort and hope. And Michael, I'll turn it and ask you so that uh, either both us in California and other viewers of A Green Way Forward might learn from New York State. What do y'all do whenever somebody uh, just contacts the Green Party of New York State? Uh, how, what is your process and protocol for trying to activate them? Fair enough. Uh, so like uh, Nassim described, uh, when we have someone who has uh, signed up from a, a county where we have a, an active uh, Green Party organization, we direct them to those uh those uh, local folks and encourage them to get involved there. I uh, completely agree that that local organizing is the got to be the the heartbeat and the lifeblood of the party. And so the challenge, right, is you know we have parts of the state where we don't really have a formal green group or uh, like a, a really living green party organization on the ground. And so how do we give? Number one, give that green who's shown interest a chance to get involved immediately in some way. Uh, maybe it's uh, through some kind of remote volunteering, either online or or through some other kind of work where they don't have to be immediately present. And to, to kind of keep their interest and to um, meet the desire that they've expressed to want to get involved. But then from there... Uh, and this is where we're still brainstorming and developing is giving them the tools and resources that they need in addition to those local contacts to actually begin the process, which can feel daunting to a lot of people of actually starting a local green group and eventually heading towards becoming an officially recognized county organization. And, you know, some people have bring a lot of different strengths to their work, right? And some people are, they're ready to make a hundred fundraising calls, but they don't really want to, you know, talk to other folks face to face, or they're not ready to do that yet. Or, you know, some folks have graphic design skills, uh, or, uh, you know, some folks are happy to, you know, talk to strangers at a farmer's market all day. But if you ask them to work with an Excel spreadsheet, they get nervous. And so meeting folks where their strengths and weaknesses are at, and then giving them the tools and resources they need to try and build on those so they can become more developed Green Party organizers. Thank you, Michael. And Nassim, I want to make sure that we, uh, because you are uh, an immigrant from Iran, uh, I also saw that the Green Party of California pushed out the national uh, uh, position, uh, Green Leaders Call for Restraint and Peaceful Resolution to Escalating Tension in Iran. 
and also, uh, if you could touch on the work that you've been doing with the local Code Pink folks, because uh, I, I, I think that this is another example of Greens being very proactive in trying to help push our agenda uh, through activism as well as electoral politics. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, I'm not aware of all the local efforts that are going on, but as you know, with a lot of other issues, there are, we have leaders in Code Pink who are green leaders as well. And one of the um, efforts locally, we have partnered with Code Pink over uh, many uh, divestment campaigns and other peace actually campaigns. And in this case, in my county, we haven't had any specific events. But uh, the reason I wanted to make sure that uh, audience had that link is because there are, when there's a national call for a um, a more diplomatic approach and for de-escalating the process, I think that's where Greens have power to try to cross party lines so that we're not always walking in with the Green Party. We're walking in with something that we have in common with a lot of people, regardless of their party. And I dare say across conservative uh, folks in this country as well. So I wanted to make sure that uh, organizations like Code Pink are highlighted because that's a really great organizing tool for Greens for us to talk to people. And if I can have my Green Party t-shirt, but I'm talking about peace and I'm talking about an organization that's not from within the party, then um, it allows me to connect to a lot more people than if I only talk about what the Green Party is doing. So that's one tactic I think that we use um, typically to try to make sure that our message of peace is heard through the microphone of other people. We bring up other national effort and folks that are really working in that area and we join forces with them. And I uh, just wanted to quick mention to Michael, this is on the idea, you had asked a question, how do you encourage and integrate and bring up volunteers where there really isn't a Green Party organization? We in California actually haven't implemented this, but we had a very great proposal that we'd like to get funding for, which is hiring a local organizer and having that one person be supported by neighboring counties and create an event where the Green Party, the state party, sends someone to that that location and actually empowers that person with input from uh, neighboring folks to establish a relationship, essentially seeding it because you already have someone who's going to water it. So then you're really planting that seed. Um, it's a really great model. I think it works in places where there is there are a lot of greens in one county or one region and few in another. But um, I think it requires funding and structure. And that's kind of where we have left it in California. I hope we come back to it because it's a very valid point and a valiant effort of all of our counties. We have about 50 some counties, only about half are activated. So uh, we need more of them to have formal organizations. And a shout out to the GPUS site uh, that has a really great uh, guidelines on uh, organizing a green uh, group. Fantastic. And I, I want to uh, say that Michael, not Michael's co-host, Michael, but a uh, viewer listener, Michael, writes in with a really great question, and I'm going to invite Nassim and Michael O'Neill uh, to respond to it. So the question is, is the Green Party trying to court, quote, far left Democrats like Ocasio-Cortez, Ilana Omar, etc., that better align with green policy? 
Michael says, I think they would fit better with the Green Party than with the Democrats. So I'm going to invite all three of us to to just opine on that question. And I'm going to say this, Michael, I think it's a great question. And I am continuously trying to entice and inspire uh, uh, progressive Democrats to join the Green Party. Uh, I think that uh, I completely agree with you that uh, the the newly emerging real progressive wing of the Democratic Party are much more in alignment uh, with the Green Party than they are in the Democrats. And I, my biggest uh, uh, challenge is this. When they leave the Democratic Party, and 90% of them will, our job is going to be not to say, I told you so. Uh, our job is to make it as welcoming as possible when they leave. Now, the problem is that when somebody gets elected as a progressive, they end up getting entrenched. And I'm thinking about Dennis Kucinich. I'm thinking about uh, uh, AOC. Uh, It's hard to bring elected officials and get them to leave. Uh, But I do think that uh, uh, if we, like, there are inherent contradictions. And our job is to push those contradictions, even as we do so with integrity. That's my quick answer. Uh, So I'll go to you first, Nassim. How would you respond to Michael? I agree. We do that all the time. I think most Greens have very progressive Democrat friends that we share campaigns with, and we're showing up at the same events and protests all the time, right? And I think that if the Green Party focuses on that solely, then we're missing the point. The fact is 49% of newly registered folks are are choosing to be independent of the two corporate parties. And about 70 plus percent of under 30 are choosing to not associate with the two main parties. So for me, those are the people that I'd rather talk to, right? Those are the people that I'd rather invite because they've already made a statement that they don't agree with the two main parties of this country. However, to your point, it it is very difficult to try to convince an elected, already well-known, very progressive politician to change parties because they know that professionally it may not work out for them as well. So I don't, we don't, I don't think that that's as easily done, but on social media and on conversations, it's a very great point to remind all of our great politicians who are there fighting for justice. Michael? As Greens, we need to be ready to work with Democrats who support the same bills and the same policies that we want. And that's a you know a viewpoint I've learned from Howie Hawkins here in New York State that when it comes to you know the bills that we want the legislation that we want shared perspectives on policies we want to work with everybody who shares that vision and who shares that idea of what we want to achieve and speaking to the the case of of uh, AOC here in New York we know people who worked on her campaign, who managed her campaign, uh, there has been outreach to the AOC team about, let's you know have a public dialogue about a Green New Deal and the kind of Green New Deal that we want to fight for. And the response has not been great. I mean, it's probably more accurate to say the response has been non-existent. And sadly, that is pretty representative of a lot of the time when we try to reach out 
to Democrats and Democrat-aligned organizations when we have a shared interest on uh, leftist progressive policy. Not always. There are exceptions. And uh, we, grow, we give credit to those elected Democrats and organizations that are ready to work in a good faith collaboration. It's important that we not be doormats. And it's important that when we work in coalition with other groups, that we need to uh, be fighting for equal and, and you know equity and participation in those coalitions, and that we're not just there to bring bodies to an event and then be silenced when it's time for the the microphone to to come out, which I think uh, is something that happens with a lot of these events that are produced by well paid, well well resourced, staffed, uh, Democrat aligned organizations and organizers. And I think that's my response to like the question of wooing over Democrats. Well, let's work with them first on the things that we want. And then, as David was saying, we keep building up our party. We keep making the case for the necessity of political independence from the duopoly cartel system. And then whoever wants to come over, great. And in the meantime, let's do the work. And, you know, thank you for that, Michael. And Nassim, we've got an example here in California of working with Democratic Party legislators on particular legislation uh, and the Green Party of California putting some shoulder to the wheel, specifically recently on public banking. I would invite you to share just a taste of the public banking bill and what role the Green Party of California played. Thank you. Yes, actually, this is exciting time for public banking because, um, as um, some folks might know, uh, public banking is an old concept. There's a hundred-year-old public bank in the U.S., but since then, uh, you know, Washington's been bought out by Wall Street, so we actually don't have any other public banks in other states. So, what uh, the, where these efforts started was with the uh, city of LA putting a um, a proposition on their ballot about a public bank in LA in, in the last election. It wasn't successful, but the group that actually uh, campaigned for it and, and, and put that proposition to a vote uh, was an amazing group of young activists completely across m- parties. Definitely there were Greens involved. There were lots of independent, but folks that really needed uh, and understood the necessity for financial reform. And um, this uh, this group also then worked on putting legislation together for an assembly bill, AB 857, that they got passed through the uh, California Assembly recently. Right now, AB 857 is in the California Senate uh, awaiting appropriations. So um, it is really exciting time. It's the furthest the public banking bill has ever gotten in California. And this group, the primary backer of it is a California Public Banking Alliance. And this alliance is made up of many smaller groups across California that are public banking advocates. So there's East Bay and there's a Humboldt uh, group and there is uh, a South Bay Progressive Alliance group where the Greens are working with. And um, I think it was through the efforts of many Greens within other organizations as well that this uh, bill has made it uh, this far. So we're pretty excited. And uh, that's where it stands, awaiting good news actually in the next month. And Nassim, I want to uh, take this opportunity to to be seen being green 
because the reality is I serve on the executive board of the California Alliance for Public Banking. I know that you are very active in the public banking world and on that California Alliance. And this is a perfect example of what Michael was talking about. I would say that uh, greens make up probably 15, 20% of the folks doing the core work at the California Alliance for Public Banking. So much more higher percentage than there are registered greens in California. But we're working with uh, progressive Democrats, uh, independents, decline to state. We're not advocating Green Party, Green Party, Green Party. We're advocating for the public bank, but we're doing it as greens. People know that Nassim and I are greens as we do that work but we continue to do the work. And frankly, we're helping people lobby elected officials, none of whom are green legislators. So it's back to Mark's uh, 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 point and uh, Michael's point about working with folks for legislation on uh, policies and bills that we support. And uh, Michael, you had a question around public banking that you wanted to drop. Yeah, I was just wondering if uh, credit unions plug into the public banking model that you're working with. We had uh, Paul who asked about credit unions, and credit unions are a topic that are very near and dear to my heart. So uh, I'm going to give you a chance, Nassim, and then I'll circle back. Great. That's a great question. In fact, the bill AB 857, the way it's written, is uh, proposing a partnership with credit unions. The public banks, it's essentially the bill allows public entities, be it municipalities, counties, or uh, or cities, or uh, to be able to apply for a charter for a public bank uh, for the region. And that means that they will not necessarily be providing personal uh, banking services. They are not uh, individual accounts, but they really will be pivotal in providing the backbone to empower more credit unions and improve their lending power. So this is really not a competition at all with credit unions. And the way the bill is formed leaves a lot to the public entity to decide and makes those choices. Because as we all know, a public bank for San Francisco is not going to have exactly the same requirements and needs as a public bank for uh, Visalia in California. You know, there's a wide range of, uh, of communities that need this financial reform and public bank, and they need to make those choices themselves. And uh, a couple of things that I want to say really quickly. Uh, one, remember that a public bank is exactly that. It's literally owned and operated by and for the public. Uh, credit unions are obviously way better than corporate uh, banks. It, it goes like this. Public banking is the best kind of banking. Uh, next would probably be credit union uh, banking. The third one would be small community banking that's still a private bank. And the absolute worst, which is the overwhelming majority of the financial institutions, are the Wall, Wall Street bastards uh, who have actually hijacked our economy. Uh, so credit unions are clearly uh, good, but there are a couple of things that need to be said. One, this, uh, this, the federal statute around credit unions literally forbids credit unions uh, from getting uh, having more than 10% of their business be in infrastructure projects, which is why credit unions are almost always about home loans and uh, auto loans and other uh, consumer sorts of things. So there is a wide range of things that credit unions just can't do by current federal law. The next thing that I want to point out is we have had some success in getting credit unions to actually endorse 
California AB 857 for that reason, because we're trying very hard not to make ourselves in competition with credit unions, uh, but to really empower uh, local communities to be able to have the power to create money and to create credit uh, and to break the fractional reserve system. So, uh, look, there's a lot to say about public banking, and I promise viewers of the Green Way Forward, we're going to have an expert, maybe somebody from your community, Nassim, uh, to come in uh, and talk about the role of public banking and especially uh, the role of the uh, California process. So, as uh, often happens with great guests like you, Nassim, the, the time just flew by. So, I do <laughs> want to give you an opportunity to share any final thoughts. Thank you. I, I first want to really thank both of you. This program has been something that we've shared online and we've really used to bring in new greens up to date. You know, you um, feature the work that greens do, the policies that we strive for, the values that we stand for in a way that is makes it very accessible to people. And I really appreciate that. There, this is the media platform we need. We need 10 of you out there. So uh, thank you for both of your efforts on this. And also for, th this is the inspiration that we started this conversation with, right? Um, had I seen a program like this 10 years ago, I might have become, become a green 10 years ago. So this is what new greens and new activists really need to close the circle on. How do I translate my values into something that I could do every day and be proud of and something that brings me hope, brings me the ideal world, even a millimeter closer to me. Um, so I really appreciate that. More, more power to you. And uh, let's, let's have a bigger microphone every day. Um, Nassim, you're so kind. And, you know, you model one of the things that I say often that I wish the left in general and the Green Party specifically would spend more time saying, way to go. Thanks. Really appreciated what you just did. And you do that uh, every time I see you and you do it so well. So Nassim Nouri, thank you so much for the work that you are doing, that you have done, and that you will do. Uh, and I also want to thank Michael O'Neill, who serves as an unpaid co-host and executive producer and chief cook and bottle washer for A Green Way Forward. Uh, thank you so much, Michael. And most importantly, I want to thank you, the viewer listener. Remember that we're getting larger, stronger, and better organized because of people like you. A final reminder to please share this live stream on your own personal Facebook page and any page that you manage. Go to the website at greenwayforward.org and sign up. And lastly, with a hat tip to Gil Scott Heron, the revolution may not be televised, but it can be brought to you over sources of non-corporately filtered news, information, and analysis, and that's what we can do here on A Green Way Forward. Peace. A Green Way Forward is broadcast live on Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time from Dr. Jill Stein's Facebook page. Subscribe to our podcast and e-newsletter at agreenwayforward.org to make sure that you never miss an episode. You can also find us and rate us on iTunes, with more podcast platforms being added each week. Our theme music is Retro Future Dirty by Kevin McLeod, whose fine music can be found at incomptech.com and is available for use under a Creative Commons attribution license. This is Michael O'Neill for David Cobb reminding you to please spread the word about A Green Way Forward and to send us your thoughtful questions and comments to agreenwayforward at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.